Good morning, Heartland Church of Christ. Open your Bibles, if you would, or turn your phone on to Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 1. We're going to begin there in a moment. My name is Mark Barone, and I've had the blessed privilege over the last year to kind of help fill in with Bible study and speaking from time to time. And so I want to just say, since I have this opportunity, thank you for that opportunity. It's been a real blessing for me this past year, off and on, to be able to teach Bible class and to speak once in a while. I want to thank the leadership and the elders. Uh, what you don't realize as a speaker sometimes, we get more out of it than you do because it really reminds us and helps us. So I'm, I pray that it's been as helpful for you as it's been for me as we've been looking at these different topics along the way. So please come back next Sunday to hear the candidate that's coming in. I've heard many, many good things about it, and I think Daniel is going to do a good job. And uh, I just love the way, as I look at the audience and look at the seats almost all full, how God has been working with us for the past year in the ups and downs. And so uh, I want to thank the deacons, the leadership, those who have been involved working in that way. Uh, to keep this Jesus community thriving and together in that special in that special way. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Uh, we always uh, want to make sure you feel welcome because we want you to understand that we're all in the same boat. You know, I always jokingly say we're either in a mess, we're just getting out of a mess, or we're just one decision away of being in a mess. So we're all in the same boat. It's kind of like the husband and wife that was celebrating 40 years of marriage, walking on the beach thinking about those 40 years, and all of a sudden they came upon a lamp in the, in the sand, and they looked at it, and the wife picks it up, rubs it, and the genie appears. Genie looks at both of them and goes, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to give each of you one wish. And the wife immediately spoke up and said, I wish, I wish my husband and I would sail around the world All expenses paid on a cruise, just travel around the world for a whole year. Sailing around the world. And the husband looks, this is for real? Yeah. What's your one wish? He says, well, can I be honest? Yeah. What do you want? He goes, I'd really like to be with a woman 30 years younger. So poof, the genie turned him into a 90-year-old man. Now, I don't know if I feel more bad for the man or for the wife. I I don't know. But we're all just one decision away of being in a mess. And that's kind of how life is. And we come together for hope and healing. We come together for forgiveness. We come together to put our hope in God who has given us hope in Christ. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day you've given us, that it's not snowing, that it's raining, and that it's going to help the plants to grow. But we come together to remember what you've done for us through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And the hope that we have because of him, and the forgiveness of sins, and that we're not alone. So, Father, we just thank you. And even though we're all in different places, come from different backgrounds, we're all in the same boat. We need your love and your grace. Father, have mercy. Please forgive the speaker for his sins are many. Help us to focus on Jesus, just Jesus this morning, as we give you all the praise and glory. We pray this in your blessed son's name and all of God's people said, amen. In Acts chapter 1, 
we begin with Luke writing the Christians, but he's also writing a man by the name of Theophilus. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 1 we read, In my former book, book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his sufferings, he showed himself to those men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift the Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked them, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee said, Why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is God's word. Luke begins by recording the fact that he begins with Easter. And he reminds us, he reminds Theophilus, he says, look, in my first book, the book of Luke, I told you what Jesus began to do and preach. And I'm telling you that the resurrection is real. We investigated, we talked to eyewitnesses who saw the resurrected Jesus. That it's not a made-up story. As a matter of fact, we wouldn't even have the New Testament if it wasn't for the resurrection. We don't believe in the resurrection because the New Testament says so. We believe it because eyewitnesses saw it and recorded what they've seen and heard. Now, Luke was not there. But he did for, go back to Jerusalem and talk to people and said, did you really see this? Was it real? I mean, anybody could have produced the body of Jesus and then claimed that it was never really happened. But they couldn't because he was raised. And then Luke says, I want to tell you about something very important. It's called the ascension. And then with the ascension, what was unique about the ascension was if it wasn't for the ascension, We wouldn't have all the power that the gospel offers us. It is the ascension that gives power to all that God has said and done and promised in the Old Testament. Just like you have a big house and if you don't have anybody living in it, or if you have a huge banquet and nobody eats it, or if you have a bomb with no fuse, the ascension is what puts power into all that God had promised in the death, burial, and resurrection. And so I want us to reflect this morning on three things, why the ascension is so important to us today. Number one, if it wasn't for the ascension, because of the ascension, let me see if I can get this. Because of the ascension, Jesus is always with us. Think about that for a moment. If it wasn't for the ascension, we'd have to go to Jerusalem to see Jesus. But because of the ascension, because Jesus is the right hand of the throne of God, Jesus can be with us 
everywhere we go. You know, back in um, in, in Mary in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of in the Garden after Jesus' resurrection. Remember, Mary Magdalene held on to Jesus, thought he was the gardener, and Jesus says, "Mary." In John chapter twenty, and then Mary holds on to him, and Jesus says, "Don't hold on to me. Don't hold hold me tight, for I have not yet ascended." And yet, in, in doubting Thomas, he says, "Touch me. See that I'm real." For Mary, she wanted to hold on to Jesus, and Jesus says, "No, I need to ascend. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Let me ascend, and then I can be with you everywhere you are." And that's what we celebrate this morning, that wherever we're at, Jesus is with us. But at first, the disciples didn't get it. They were looking at Jesus ascending and were like, bye, see you later. We're really going to miss you, but at least we have your teachings. This is really good. And then the angel says, what are you doing just staring up there? What you need to realize is all that the ascension means. And we do know that in Luke, and I'll read this to you, Luke Chapter in chapter 24, verse 50, it says, when Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continuously at the temple, praising God. See, at first they were just like missing Jesus. But then when they realized what the ascension meant, They went away joyfully, knowing like, wow, Jesus can be with me wherever I'm at, wherever I'm struggling, wherever the situation is. See, I was raised, and I shared this before, I was raised Catholic, and so I was taught, you know, God is in the church building. And so I remember whenever I needed to talk to God, I would go to the church building. And then one day, this is New York City, so one day I go, and the doors are locked. Why? Because people were in there stealing stuff. And I remember thinking, God, I need to talk to you. I can't get in. I've got something important I need to discuss. But then when you realize that what happened because of the ascension, we can talk to God anytime, anywhere, any place. He can be with us. And that's important to know because a lot of times when we're struggling, we're struggling alone. And we're by ourselves and we think God is a million miles away. No, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, he can be with you wherever you're at. If you're afraid, and as we get older, we get more afraid of different things. Jesus can be with us because of the ascension. He is everywhere. When we're at high school or junior high or when we're at work, Jesus is with us. When we're afraid, he's with us. If we just remember the meaning of the ascension, that because of the ascension, he is with us. And that's so encouraging to know that we're not alone, even when people have left us alone. And we're not alone, even if we made a mistake or something bad has happened. And Jesus is still there with us to remind us of how important his role is in the gospel message. And that's the second point that we were looking at is the idea that Jesus still speaks to us through the gospel message. See, not only is Jesus with us, but through the gospel message, he's speaking to us. I love the fact in Acts 1, Luke begins with saying, I'm going to talk to you about what Jesus began to do and teach. He didn't say, this is what Jesus teaches, and now this is what the apostle teaches. 
he gives the impression that Jesus was not done teaching and talking to his, his followers. That through the gospel message, through the death, burial, resurrection, and the great commandment to love one another as I have loved you, he continues to speak to us. You know, the Jews who became followers of Jesus had to relearn the whole Old Testament scriptures and what it meant. Because they thought, if I study the Old Testament scriptures and I follow it, I'll be saved. And Jesus says, no, the Old Testament scriptures point to me. You need to come to me, to Jesus, to get eternal life, salvation. But the Gentile Christians, when they became Christians, followers of Jesus, they didn't have the stories of the Old Testament. They didn't have the stories of the New Testament because it was being written about them. All they had was the understanding of the unique birth. Death, burial, resurrection, the commandment to love one another as I have loved you, and the ascension to help them to understand how to deal with life struggles. We have the blessings of the New Testament writings, and I'm not taking anything away from that, but it was the thinking of what God did through Christ that gave them wisdom and understanding in dealing with life's decisions along that line. Rick actually, I was listening to a lesson of his, a very powerful lesson about new life in Christ. And he was talking about Lazarus being raised from the dead, about a second chance at life, a second life. But the last thing Jesus told them about Lazarus was, take off the um, grave clothes. And sometimes in our new life in Christ, we tend to still have grave clothes, things that bind us to the old life. And so he asked the congregation of thousands and said, look, what is your biggest struggle as a follower of Jesus? And he gave the top five things, and I was fascinated by them, because in the top five things, I'm going to put them all up because this is what he focuses on. The number five was anger and bitterness. And then he talks about financial struggles. Then he talks about the fact that people struggle with sexual Struggles or addictions, fear and worry. But the number one thing most people struggle with as followers of Jesus is struggling with self-worth. And that really surprised me, but it's really true. And the reason I bring these things up is because as we struggle as followers of Jesus or people who are considering following Jesus, as we struggle with these things, Jesus speaks to us on how to not only deal with it, but to remind us that we're loved that we have forgiveness, and that we just need to keep on moving forward. That we're not left alone just with Jesus' teaching, but that Jesus speaks to us as we reflect on the gospel message, that we are loved. And this is so powerful because all of us struggle with areas in these things. Nobody here is perfect and living a sinless life. And so we need to remember, because of the ascension, not only that is Jesus with us, but he's still speaking to us through the gospel message, through the death, but reminding, I love you so much that I even gave my life for you. So hang in there, get stronger, make wiser choices based on love, not based on fear or condemnation. And so he still speaks to us. So not only because of the ascension, he not only, he not only is with us, but he speaks to us. And then finally, he not only speaks to us, he speaks through us. And that's really important. 
because he is speaking through us. I love the fact that in Acts chapter 1, here it is, the ascension. Here it is, a resurrected Jesus, and the disciple says, Lord, are you now going to make things right and make Israel a good kingdom again? And I think Jesus is like, are you kidding me? You just still don't get it. It's not about me. It's about what are you going to do when you are my witnesses talking to people in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I think that's fascinating because the disciples are like, Jesus, what are you going to do? And he says, no, what are you going to do? Are you going to let me speak through you as you're sharing the gospel message? Because that's how God speaks to us also. Jesus speaks to us. When, he, when we listen to the gospel message, Jesus is using that message through us to encourage others, to help others. And the amazing thing about this message is it's not about us. I mean, think about it. The apostle Peter just denied Jesus three times, even cursed, says, I don't even know this guy. And five weeks later, he's out there leading the church. The greatest testimony against Christianity is the Christian lives, the hypocritical lives a lot of times. But yet the message still continues to move forward because it's the powers within the message, even though our vessels are very weak. That people still respond to the gospel message as we hear it. And God speaks to us as we share with others the gospel message about the death, burial, resurrection through our imperfect lives. That's even more testimony that the gospel still exists, even though we are imperfect. There's more power if we live reflecting the truth. But even when we're imperfect, it's still powerful. And God is still speaking to us, reminding us that he loves us. This is what he did. And this is what he is going to do. So because of the ascension, Jesus is with us. Because of the ascension, he still speaks to us through the death, burial, resurrection. And because of the ascension, he speaks through us as we encourage others, even though we're imperfect. And that's pretty amazing. The power of the ascension. Because without the ascension, it would all be different. In closing, look at Acts chapter 7. Stephen finally got it in Acts chapter 7. He was the first martyr, and Luke is recording this. And Stephen is so frustrated with his audience, he kind of loses his temper. In Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, he says, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. I mean, he's pretty upset. Are you just like your fathers? You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law and was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it. And he's sharing the frustration. Like, look, God told us all this stuff through the old covenant and we didn't listen. And he's so frustrated. But the people were were angry at him. It says, when they heard this, the people, they were furious and grinded their teeth at him. I love the fact Luke mentions that. You know, I'm so mad. You ever had your little child do that? That's what, he, that's what they did. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, 
looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and stand and Jesus standing there at his right hand. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He saw the ascension. Now, usually it's depicted as Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father, but here it says Jesus is standing, probably in honor of the fact of what's about to happen to Stephen. But I love what he says later on. At this they covered their ears and yelled at the top of their voice, and they rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. While the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he said this, he fell asleep. And I thought, wow. When he finally saw the ascension and all that it meant and all the power of the death, burial, and resurrection... His response was, Father, forgive them. Just like Jesus did on the cross. See, when we get the ascension and all that has taken place, we become more like Christ. We get it. Jesus didn't just die for me. He died for everyone I know. For family and friends, for enemies. That he didn't just love me, he loves everyone. That the gift of salvation is not just for me, it's for everyone, and that he still speaks to me through the death, burial, and resurrection, and he speaks through me. And so when you understand the ascension, we go from being inactive followers of Jesus to active followers of Jesus. That we're not just focusing on Jesus' teachings, and Jesus' teachings are great, and they help people. But it's the hope of the ascension, the fact of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus at God's right hand, which gives power to the message. We're not spreading just good teaching. We're spreading hope. Hope over the curse. Hope over the struggle of good and evil. The fact that even though we struggle, we're still loved and God helps us even in our fears and our mistakes. And so Jesus can be with me in my loneliest depth. Or he can be with me as we sang just that great song about just a little talk with Jesus. He's with us always because of the ascension. And we celebrate this morning because of all the ascension has made available for us here, not only today for us, but for all people everywhere. And that's what we celebrate this morning. So hopefully with this thought... It can move us from being inactive of just reflecting on Jesus' teaching to being active in providing hope and healing and say, God, use me, even though I'm imperfect, use me to share your message. Use your message to encourage me in my fears and doubts. And let's take what God has done to the community around us. That's what it's all about. And be thankful for the ones that shared with you that gospel message that reminded you that you are loved, that you're appreciated, that God has not given up on us even though we've given up on ourselves, and that his commitment is to bring us to him, and he's doing that all through the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the one commandment, love one another as I have loved you. So with these words, if there's anything we can do, if we can be an encouragement to you through prayer, through just visiting, through just being a support, 
let us know what those needs are. Or later on, after the, after the service, that you just walk up to a member and just say, hey, I need your help. I need to understand what this blessing has been made available. Whatever we can do for you this morning to give you assurance, let that be known as we stand and sing.